You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today we are going to talk about the Chicago Bears. We're going to get our last team out of the way. I've considered doing the Packers, but I feel like enough of it is common knowledge that that would be kind of a waste of everybody's time. You probably know roughly how much salary cap space we have, um, the players that we may or may not cut, all that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. So this will be the last one. However, as, di- as I did mention, um, I- I'm going to revisit this at least in some capacity after free agency. I don't think I'm not going to do full episodes like this because there's going to be teams that just haven't done anything. It's going to be hard to fill 40-ish minutes of, you know, here's the top to bottom of this team, and it's the exact... I mean, I'll just replay the old episode, I guess. But um, I do want to recap the teams and just keep everybody uh, up to date on what's going on with them post-free agency and then after the draft for sure. Um, kind of probably doing top to bottom through all these teams again because it's, I mean, it's the off season. We're talking, what is it, like 12 teams, 13, because I'll probably have to do the Packers even after free agency, but whatever. Anyways, Chicago Bears today. Before we jump into that, Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. I don't know why I love to say that so much. It just feels so good. Just say it. It feels good. I mean, it's like smooth and powerful at the same time. Like, information is just, I don't know. I love America and all, but sometimes it's just kind of boring, man. Maybe it's just because it's what I speak and everybody thinks what they speak is boring. I'm not really sure because I don't, you know, I only got one my way of talking. But I can't imagine if I lived in Mexico that I would say, Información! And I'd be like, man, we sound so boring when we talk. (laughs) I just don't think that's a thing. That's all right. I'll just borrow your stuff. Anyways, Packernet has all that stuff. Information. You know what else has information? NFLBigBoard.com. It has draft information. Go over there, check out all the draft prospects. If you don't know what it is yet, check it out. Don't feel like explaining it. Really short on time today. Ooh, Google has Steve Irwin. That's awesome. <laughs> In case you didn't know, now you know. Go Google and go Google Google. You know what else isn't a cool word? Google. I feel like that gets harder to say every time I say it. I choke every time I say Google. What a horrible name. Anyways, jump in the Facebook group, and if you'd like to call in or text, because something is just something's just driving you crazy, or you just have a question for me, not that it stops everybody from just texting me, tweeting me, whatever, but if you don't want to go that route, 608-501-0718, 608 501 Call me and give me all your information. 
I should have just taken Spanish, man. Just so I could have learned like three more words. I mean, I guess I did. I just didn't pay attention. I should have paid attention in Spanish. I'm fine that I didn't pay attention in French. That's, uh, that won't ever bother me. That's, that's not, that's not going to be the one thing that haunts me in my life. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So anyways, as it stands, the Chicago Bears are also, much like the Minnesota Vikings, not at all in a very good cap situation, which is a good thing. Uh, recently, they were at about $7 million. However, the Chicago Bears released tight end Deion Sims, which, hey, we got a dance party early on. Thank you very much. Um, it's kind of unfortunate because that was going to be one of my, hey, guess who's getting released? It's going to be Deion Sims. I mean, it was, it was completely obvious. Deion Sims is a terrible football player who just came off IR. He basically, um, I forget exactly the terms of his contract, but it was one of those things where I think it was $633 million, or $6.333 million that he was owed, and they saved $6 million of that is what I believe the situation was. So they saved 6 of $6.3 million. Again, for a tight end, that it's it just it was a guarantee. There was no question they were getting rid of him. They did get rid of him. They saved the six million, and they went from uh, seven million dollars to about twelve million dollars. I know the math doesn't seem quite right, but that's I mean it just is what it is. So, anyways, they're already making moves. They're up to I mean I guess it's almost thirteen. So there you go. Remember that's a quarter or a third of a million that's dead money now from Dion Sims. So that's also part of the reason why seven plus six isn't thirteen. Um, a quick look at some other people that uh, could potentially be released for the Chicago Bears, if anybody that is. Um, one would be linebacker Danny Trevathan. Now, Danny Trevathan, I know they did, it kind of seems good, like a good idea because you look at it and say, well, Danny Trevathan isn't all that good, plus they just got Roquan Smith, so yeah, why not? The problem is, as of right now, Danny Trevathan is their best linebacker. Um, presumably, Roquan is going to get better, but... Um, I mean, he didn't start off the year being super great, which feels good for me because I was one of the people, if not the only person that I'm aware of, that watched Roquan and went, eh, I don't know. I mean, he's fast, I guess. But if they did get rid of Danny Trevathan, they would have uh, Roquan Smith, and uh, they'd probably have to roll with Nick Kwiatkowski. Otherwise, they've got some other young guys. I mean, there's a pile of players they could possibly go with. But again, Danny Trevathan was the only one that was any good last year. I think Kwiatkowski was good two years ago, but he was like real. It's kind of like a, almost like Blake Martinez in a way. Like he was super good. I think he was actually graded as the best linebacker in the NFL, but he was like terrible against the run, and he was real good in coverage. And then this past year, he had a terrible grade, but he was real good against the run, just horrible in coverage. Like what are you? I don't understand. That's that's Blake Martinez. Like two years ago, the guy was a stud against the run, but he was terrible in coverage. This year, he's terrible, or this past year, terrible against the run, but real good in coverage. Like, I I just, I don't know how that happens. But anyways, that is an option. If they did decide to move on from Mr. Danny Trevathan, um, man, does that drive me nuts when that happens. I hate windows sometimes. Um, Of his $7.6 million, they would save 6.4 and have to eat 1.25 million. So that would be a pretty big chunk of money there. Otherwise, a bunch of low-level stuff. Uh, Sam Acho would save him about $2 million. Nick Kwiatkowski, who I mentioned, they could get rid of for about $2 million. Uh, Jordan Howard, probably not getting rid of, but that's another $2 bucks. 
Sherrick McManus is a million. Brad Soule is a million. So could be a couple of these guys. Not so sure about Sam Acho just because they don't have a lot of depth off the edge. And then McManus, even though they've got a lot of good corners, um, to save $1.6 million, you just you don't get rid of a guy like McManus. That just shouldn't happen. As far as a trade, um, because the, the contract situation is a little different, there's some big names. I mean, they, they could technically trade Allen Robinson if they wanted to. I don't think they're going to want to do that, but they could trade him if they really wanted to free up a bunch of money. Allen Robinson, I don't care what anybody says, absolutely didn't live up to that contract, which I'm happy about. I mean, they, listen, and we'll kind of dive into it. The Bears re-signed a lot of people for kind of a long time, some of these guys for a lot of money. I mean, the wide receiver situ- the, uh, situation that they're in, they pretty much locked into the guys that they got. Uh, they went out and got Allen Robinson. They got Taylor Gabriel. Neither of these guys were super top tier and they locked him up for a long time. They locked up all their linemen who were not very good for a long time. It's just kind of weird. They were just like, these are my guys, and we're sticking with them. I actually just went and tried to do a, a mock draft for the Chicago Bears last year, which is hilarious because they have like four picks starting in the third round. But it's just impossible. Like, I don't want to go defense, but you've locked up an entire offense. I I don't know. But anyways, they're probably not going to do it, but that would be 11 if they just said, I don't, I don't want to get locked into this guy. Um, Akeem Hicks, that's a joke. Prince of Mukamura is an option. Um, he's one of the guys that I mentioned way overperformed. I mean, if you wanted to do like GMing 2.0, you've, you're completely stacked at cornerback. You've got too many guys that are, they literally have four cornerbacks from last year that are basically top 10. I think Prince of Mukamura was graded as 12th. They have three other guys that were top 10 corners. That's ridiculous. Just by basic mathematics, especially when you consider that the Bears had three of them, that would mean there's only seven other teams that even had one cornerback that were top ten. Bears had three and one that was was 12th. And as I've mentioned several times, Prince of Mukamura has never been that good. Ever, 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 ever. Never. Not even close to 12th best in the NFL. So odds are, especially with your defensive coordinator going bye-bye, if you wanted to sell high on Prince of Mukamura, which you should, because you should realize as a guy as old as he is, he's going to regress. So if you can trade this guy, you save $7.5 million. I know you probably don't want to, but it's probably the prudent move because I don't want to pay $9.5 million for Prince of Mukamura. I just don't. I hope they do because it's the Bears and it's not going to be beneficial for them. I'd rather them eat $9.5 million bucks, but um, just saying... That would be a, a very prudent move. Another thing they could do if they wanted to trade would be to trade Chase Daniel. I'm not sure you'd get very many takers for Chase Daniel, but Chase Daniel was actually kind of mediocre. And we're talking about $6 bucks off the books. And um, I think the new team would only take on his, his base salary, which would be $4 million. So that's not that bad. The problem is Chase Daniel is literally the only backup quarterback you've got. Which means what? You either have to draft somebody, which again, you can't go into the draft saying we have to get somebody. That's just not a good draft strategy. If you get into the third round, you might not have a quarterback on your board within the next 20 or 25, 30 guys. Who knows? You can't just reach and say, well, we got to get one. And it doesn't make any sense to say, well, in other words, no. You, You can't get rid of Chase Daniel. As much as you would love to be able to, I guess you just can't. I'm sure they would like to, though. But anyways, that's about it. So there's there's a little bit more wiggle room. Nobody's super big with the exception maybe of Danny Trevathan. But from our standpoint, again, if they move on from Danny Trevathan, that's a good thing because it's the only guy that's kind of kind of decent. 
Again, Roquan was horrible against the run. Decent in coverage, which you'd expect because he runs really fast, which is his one attribute that I conceded. I was like, yeah, I can see he's fast, man, and especially sideline to sideline. Like, he can, he can get there. But um, as far as, like, taking on blockers, dude is straight trash. So I don't really see that getting better, but we'll see. Everybody seems to think that he was worth, you know, a top 10 pick. He was a top 10. Some even said top 5 talent. So I'm sure he'll get much better against the run. But anyways, the reason we look at those things largely is because we also have to look at some of their free agents to decide how many of these guys can they actually re-sign. Because if you got no money, you can't re-sign anybody. That's just the way she goes. Um, so right out of the gate, tight ends are uh, a big one. They've got Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen. I know the Bears like both of those guys. They're both relatively talented guys, no question about it. But they've only got three others, uh, Ben Bronecker, Daniel Brown, and Zach Miller. All of them are free agents. So, I don't know, maybe? Uh, running backs, Benny Cunningham is a free agent. Benny, Benny Cunningham is not good, so Benny Cunningham is probably going bye-bye. Uh, their fullback, Michael Burton, if they decide that they want a fullback, they're probably going to have to re-sign this guy, so that's going to be, I don't know, what, a million and a half dollars they're going to have to allocate. Wide receiver Kevin White and wide receiver Josh Bellamy are free agents. I have to assume this is the end of the Kevin White experiment. He's just never really materialized. Um, I mean, he, he's never really been horrible, but you factor in how early he was drafted and his expectations, and you factor in that he's basically just been average. I mean, I don't even know if he's really like a top 64 wide receiver. He doesn't even get on the field all that often because he's either injured or they just don't want him on the field. And, of course, with Chicago in particular, a team that uh, paid Allen Robinson a bunch of money, t- paid Taylor Gabriel, drafted Anthony Miller... Um, there's just there's no place for Kevin White, so he'll probably land somewhere for very little money, just because of his upside. But um, yeah, I, I know some teams probably just won't touch him. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who was a Bears fan, and he was like, "I never understood the Kevin White thing. I don't think he was ever going to." It's just one of those things, and you see this a lot where certain people get infatuated with certain attributes that just never translate. Right? It's just like some teams who are just obsessed with quarterbacks that can throw really hard. Right? six foot four rocket arm like yeah but is he a good quarterback like dude did you hear me i said six foot four rocket arm he could literally throw it 100 yards okay but is he a good quarterback right or dk metcalf did you see how big he is yeah but is he good dude but he's huge like if he was in a fight he would totally beat up any cornerback ever like i don't think that's how you scout wide receivers but all right or speed. He ran a 4-2-2! Yeah, but he's kind of trash, right? So, I mean, it's just... And, and the fact of the matter is there are NFL teams who get caught up in this. It's, it's unbelievable to me. I'm trying as hard as I can to resist this nagging urge that I have to believe that NFL teams don't actually know what they're doing. But there are just certain times you just have to look at it and say, these guys just don't know what they're doing. I mean, really, and... and <laughs> Not to go off on a tangent, but as you're starting to see the internet provide more access to people and you're seeing a whole bunch of people deciding they want to start these scouting careers and you listen to these people, it's really amazing how often you get these guys who are kind of, I I don't want to call them low-level or or know-nothing guys who, who talk about stuff, who basically run circles at least around those guys on television. 
And then you figure guys on television like Mike Mayock, not, I mean, granted, he was a well-respected guy among these, like, Mel Kuyper, who was not very respected. He's respected in his industry. He's not respected by anybody outside of his industry. But you got Mayock, who goes and gets a job with the Raiders, and you look at what the Raiders do, and it's like, everybody outside of the NFL realizes you don't do things this way, and that's done. Like, how can we tell you what is right and wrong to do? Why do we know and you don't know this? How is it you can draft somebody and everybody can look at it and go, that was a really bad move and it ends up being a really bad move, meaning everybody not in your building knows that that was not smart except you. Everybody outside of your building knew that. I mean, it just it really reinforces this weird feeling that I have that the NFL is more or less a good old boys club where if you have the right credentials and connections and if you just think a certain way, then you can kind of get into these jobs right there's there's a a typical way of of thinking about how to scout and how to get players and if you regurgitate that back to somebody then it's like oh he's on he's on the inside he's he's one of us he understands like he learned from so and so and he went to these schools and he he did this and he did that so he knows what he's doing and there's kind of this groupthink thing in the NFL and you got people out here who are not doing groupthink who just you know think for themselves and and analyze things and they're like well these guys are good and these guys are bad i don't know i'm way off on a tangent i'm just saying i mean you do hear people say that though people who used to make a career out of this because they had exclusive access to film they had exclusive access to to people on the inside they, they could give us things that nobody else got but now you got you know walter cherapinski who a lot of people think is a complete joke as far as breaking down film and everything but he's got insights he can give us inside information because he's just formed relationships the guys over at the draft network just a group of guys who decided i'm gonna make a career out of this and just grind and then they got you know got respect and then they formed connections and then they got a website and then they got all this stuff and all of a sudden legitimately if you want to know you can go over there the guy mark jarvis that i talked to guy just decided guess what i'm this i mean i don't know i'm I'm gonna i'm actually i think i am gonna build an experiment one day, I, I, I'm going to figure out a way. Maybe I can get one of them to draft for a team, something, and just see what, what works out better. I, I mean, I know it's kind of a crapshoot anyways. There are no guarantees, and everybody gets stuff wrong. I don't know. I just annoy. I feel like they should be... I mean, look look at the NFL itself. The people in the NFL are, are elite tab. I can't just decide, guess what, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be Aaron Rodgers. I can't do that. I literally don't have that capacity. There, There is a limitation based on who I am. Only the elite of the elite can be players in the NFL. That's how GMs should be. That's how scouts should be. There should be only, you know, a hundred people in the entire universe that can do what they can do. It just doesn't seem to work out that way. Why doesn't it work out that way? Maybe it's because you don't have kids growing up saying, I want to be a scout. You know, while you have some kids going out in the backyard trying to be Aaron Rodgers, you don't have kids in their, you know, dad's basement saying, I'm going to be Brian Gutekunst when I get older. Just scout this guy. But it's getting there. Money isn't as good. I don't know. How did I get here? Oh, Kevin White. Yeah, that was dumb. Anyways, GMs, I don't think, know what they're doing. Scouts don't know what they're doing. None of us know what we're doing. Moving on. Uh, Josh Bellamy is another guy that is expendable. There's no reason to hang on to him. Uh, again, with Robinson, Gabriel, and Miller locked up for a very long time, that's your one, two, three, and then you've got a bunch of other guys here that are your depth. So Kevin White and Josh Bellamy should probably go away. Offensive line I mentioned is a bit of an issue. They do have they have Charles Leno, James Daniels, 
Cody Whitehair, Kyle Long, and Bobby Massey. That's from left tackle over to right tackle. Well, Bobby Massey and Charles Leno are the only two offensive linemen that were really any, well, and Cody Whitehair, I guess. They, they were all graded as good. Daniels and Long were average. Well, I believe Kyle Long and Bobby Massey just recently signed. Um, so Kyle Long has an average per year remaining of $9 million through 2021. Bobby Massey has signed through 2022. He literally just signed a new deal, uh, a average of $8 million per year. Cody Whitehair, uh, he's only 26. He's going to be a free agent next year. I, I'm almost positive they're going to re-sign him because he's, even though, I mean, he was like the number one center in the NFL the year he came, like his rookie year. And then has been regressing kind of ever since. But he's probably about to get a deal. James Daniels they just drafted. And Charles Leno, as I said, is also through 2021. And he's $9.2 million per year. So you got a bunch of guys that are in and around, you know, $8, 9000000 million a year. It's a lot of money. I mean, two tackles and a guard. Totaling, what, $26, $27 million? And you're about to re-sign Cody Whitehair for probably around that amount of money, $9, $10 million? And at the end of the day, you just don't have that good of an offensive line. Bobby Massey's decent. Charles Leno's decent. Cody Whitehair's decent. James Daniels wasn't very good as a rookie, but we'll see. Kyle Long, not very good. Kind of mediocre. But you're locked into it. This is your offensive line now. And as far as depth, Brian uh, Witzman and Eric Cush are free agents. We'll see. Um, they've already signed Cornelius Lucas, uh, Dejon Allen, and Willie Beavers. So presumably these are the guys that they're going to keep as depth. Uh, again, Witzman and Cush have not been re-signed, therefore I'm thinking probably going away. But as it stands right now, they've only got one backup interior offensive lineman, so you, you gotta re-sign somebody, right? I mean, basically if you lose a center or guard, you're maxed out. You can't lose anybody else. I just don't see, and again, you don't have any money for a free agency. You've only got four draft picks that you have to re-sign somebody. Now, it's not going to cost you all that much money, but still... Again, when we're only dealing with 12 million bucks, and I, I don't know what it's like a million or two million dollars, maybe when you sign your <laughs> your draft picks, so 10 million dollars. But then if if it's a half million to one million dollars to re-sign one of these guys, it it still hurts. When you've only got about 10, it hurts. And again, maybe you're re-signing your fullback. That's another million bucks, and now we're down to nine million dollars. If you re-sign another one of these tight ends for a million bucks or two million dollars, you're down again. So overall. I mean, clearly the, the strength of the team is the defense, but overall the offense is just not great. Of course, it always comes back to how good is Mitchell Trubisky going to be, but um, Howard and Cohen, not this elite group that they used to be. They're both just kind of good. Trubisky is not good. you got decent tight ends. You've got decent wide receivers. You've got an okay offensive line. And, and again, the, the weird thing is everybody's just kind of locked in. This is your offense. Everybody's locked up through like 2021 at least. Your offensive line is locked up. Your wide receivers are locked up. Your tight ends are locked up. Your quarterback is locked up. The only guys you are, you have to figure out is Cody Whitehair and Jordan Howard. Both of these guys are free agents next year. Otherwise, this is kind of it, man. This is your crew. And when you don't have, again, money for free agency or really any reason to expect a huge upgrade starting in the third round of the draft, maybe you can hit on an offensive lineman that's going to be able to... to but But again... 
You just paid Kyle Long. You just gave him a contract extension. You're not going to get a third-round guard that's going to replace him. So that's not going to happen. You're not going to get a wide receiver that's going to replace Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson, and Anthony Miller. You're not going to get a tight end that's going to replace Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen. You're not going to get a new quarterback. You're not going to replace Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen. So literally, there is not one person that can be replaced on this offense. This will be the offense. That's what's so crazy about this. You look at it and say, okay, the defense is no good. How do we fix the offense? You can't. There's nothing you can do. These guys are all locked up. Pending some kind of weird trade, this will be the offense, which is a good thing. Nothing's going to happen. I mean, very, very small chance. Very, very, very small if somebody just is an absolute freak. Maybe maybe they get one of those late-round running backs that's just a freak. I don't know. But again, this is just what it is. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Uh, looking at the defensive side now, free agents, you got, um, again, relatively locked up. A lot of free agents in 2020, which means we're going to have another fun time next year looking at some of this stuff because a lot of their a lot of their guys are going bye-bye. Now, they can mitigate that by kind of cutting half of them this year to save a little bit of money, but whatever. Uh, guys they have to figure out, Nick Williams, Nicholas Williams, he is a uh, defensive end. With Eddie Goldman in the middle... You know, you got guys like Bullard, Akeem Hicks. There's just no real reason in my mind to keep Nicholas Williams. I mean, he's literally the worst player of this entire group. So I, I just, I don't see any reason. I mean, you, you got uh, Bilal Nichols, who was talented. You got uh, Roy Rob, uh, Robertson Harris. Don't even know who the guy is. Played 371 snaps. He was good. So you got two good guys, two basically elite guys, and Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks. You don't need Nick Williams. He's gone. Off the edge, you got Aaron Lynch. Um, that one's going to hurt a little bit because all you have is Khalil Mack. Now, here, here's the thing about the edge rushers in Chicago. Aaron Lynch and Leonard Floyd are both decent because they're good against the run. They don't have a single person that isn't a terrible pass rusher. Aaron Lynch, Leonard Floyd, Sam Acho, Kylie Fitz, Isaiah Irving, horrific pass rushers. Aaron Lynch and Leonard Floyd are good against the run. Aaron Lynch is borderline elite against the run. And that Khalil Mack is just dominant in every facet of the game. So on one hand, you'd say you want to get rid of Aaron Lynch. But on the other hand, you kind of don't want to. I mean, from from a talent standpoint, at least in one facet of the game, but also just as a depth standpoint. I mean, Khalil Mack is a, is a dominant force wherever he goes. You've got a couple guys in the middle that are really good. I really wanted the Packers to get Eddie Goldman. That was my guy. Instead, we got Demarius Randall. So, you know, whatever. I'm sure it's fine. Basically worked out about the same. Elite defensive tackle versus, um, you know, Demarius Randall. But still, 
off the edge, it creates a problem. The, the issue is you're not going to be like, okay, well, we want to keep Aaron Lynch, so we'll throw a million bucks, and that's not going to work. The guy is, uh, he's only 26. So you get a young, talented guy like Aaron Lynch, he's going to command some money. I mean, he was ranked 28th at the position. And again, everybody in the NFL wants pass rushers, so they're going to look down their nose at him a little bit. As much as I can sit here and say he was 28th overall, nobody is going to regard him as the 28th best prospect because that's looking at pass rush and, um, and run defense relatively equally. And that's just not how that works. But still, I don't think the Bears can afford him, I guess is what I'm saying. And if they do decide that they're going to repay the guy, which kind of makes sense because in... In the NFL, these are the kinds of guys that you need to retain, especially at an important position. Um, when you got a 26-year-old guy that shows talent and is one of the better... I mean, he's as good against the run as Khalil Mack. Let's just put it that way. Very good. So, I mean, imagine that. Imagine you're going up against the Packers, and, and the Packers all of a sudden have this new offense where they want to run the ball a little bit more. And you've got Khalil Mack and Aaron Lynch, who are two of the better edge rushers against the run, and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. And it's like, okay you go ahead and try to run. Because, for the record, Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman dominate against the run. Not quite as good against the pass as a lot of people would have you believe. Akeem Hicks, obviously, is, is relatively good against the pass, but he's, he's, he's Snacks Harrison, basically, is what he is. Eddie Goldman, same thing. Not very good against the pass, dominant against the run. So, I don't know. I mean, you can look at it and say Leonard Floyd will be our guy. I mean, he's also 26. He's... uh better against the run than the pass. I think he starts more often than uh, than Aaron Lynch anyways. Actually, it's it's not even close. Leonard Floyd is the, the top guy, but still, I don't know. Aaron Lynch is probably going to go, which is a, a benefit to everybody, not the Bears. So that's good. Um, at cornerback, uh, Marcus Williams is probably gone because nobody cares, but Bryce Callahan is a free agent. Bryce Callahan, uh, he did end the year on IR, but he was great. He was one of the top 10 guys. He was the eighth best cornerback in the end, so so you had Sherrick McManus who was fifth, Kyle Fuller who was seventh, Bryce Callahan who was eighth, and Prince Amorka who was twelfth. That's the Bears' defense on top of their freakish safeties. You want to know why this defense was dominant and easily the best in the NFL and one of the best in the NFL in a very long time? Because you have, on top of Khalil Mack, one of the best defensive lines. You have the best cornerback group. You have the best safety group on the exact same team just ridiculous. The question though becomes, can you afford to pay Bryce Callahan? I don't know how that's possible. A guy that um, has gotten consistently better since his, so so his rookie year, he was just kind of mediocre. His second year, he was just kind of mediocre. And then in 2017, he really grew and took a big step. 2018, he took another big step into being a top 10 guy. This is a nickel cornerback, a slot corner. There are a lot of teams who would pay a lot of money to get a guy like this. Everybody understands how valuable cornerback is. I think there are teams that would be willing to pay almost as much as the Bears have in salary cap total to Bryce Callahan, meaning it just seems pretty unlikely that the Bears are going to be able to cough up that money. And beyond that, the biggest thing, not only do I think... So so now we're getting into the big stuff. They're, they're likely going to be losing um, Aaron Lynch. They're likely going to be losing Bryce Callahan, which, again, they can weather that storm. They've got Sherrick McManus. Now, I, I'm, I'm hesitant about Sherrick McManus because, again, he is, he's one of the guys... If, if Vic Fangio really was the reason that a lot of these guys were so good. In other words, maybe a lot of why they were awesome was scheme, and Vic Fangio's gone. This thing could just completely deflate. 
You want to talk about a, a, a bubble bursting? Because I'm seeing a lot of overinflation. Wait, I mean, Sherrick McManus, let's look at what he was. Now, granted, his rookie year, he was very, very good. But beyond that, 2013, one of the worst corners in the NFL. 2014, abysmally horrible. 2015, just, ugh, just the worst. I mean, Demarius Randall was never this bad. Quentin Rollins was never this bad. 2016, again, four years. He was graded in the 30s. Horrible. 2017. Vic Fangio years when everybody seems to be taking these steps. He goes up and he is good. In 2018, he is borderline elite. I would not be surprised at all if he is terrible next year. I don't know how Vic Fangio did it, but you have a lot of this stuff. Not quite to this extreme, but a lot of it. Again, Prince of Mukamura, same situation. How do you go from being mediocre for about 10 years to all of a sudden being just dominant? That just, I don't know. That doesn't really happen very much. But anyways, very likely Bryce Callahan's gone. Now, here's another one that's very, very interesting. Adrian Amos is a free agent. There's almost no way in my mind I can see the Bears paying him either. He was the number one safety in the NFL last year, which is crazy, again, because, you know, this is the Vic Fangio effect. Again, it'll be interesting to see not just Adrian Amos, but Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson comes in, and in his second year is the number one safety in the NFL. The year prior, Adrian Amos, who was, you know, mediocre in his first year, good in his second year, and then the number one safety in the NFL in his third year. Um, But, you know, again, two top ten safeties, best safety duo in the NFL with Eddie Jackson, number one, Adrian Amos uh, graded as tenth, excuse me, eighth. They've got Deion Bush that can step in. He took the exact same thing. He was bad in 2016, bad in 2017, jumped up to being pretty good in uh, 2018. But anyways, the, the reason it's interesting is if, if you're scouting and you're watching and you're saying, no, this dude is just a really good football player. I'm talking about Adrian Amos. We've got a guy that I would almost rather have than Earl, Earl Thomas. I'm talking for even money. I mean, if, if they're both going for $12 bucks, I think I would take Adrian Amos. Now, again, that's contingent on this isn't just a scheme thing. This isn't just Vic Fangio making this guy look good. This is he is this. He is. He earned every bit of this. Again, eighth best in the NFL. Last year, he was number one in the NFL. And he's never really been bad. Beyond that, Adrian Amos is 25 years old. We can drop money on this guy. And, and, I mean, we're, we're talking five-year contract. Now, it, again, it's risky because who knows how much of this is the Vic Fangio effect. It's going to freak me out about every Bears defensive prospect with the ex- exception of anybody that was good prior to him. Khalil Mack is good because he's Khalil Mack. Everybody understands that. But at 25 years old, Adrian Amos is going to get paid. I mean, legitimately, he's, he's, as far as free agents goes, he could be the best one on the market. If you factor in age and Earl Thomas's injury history, I would say Adrian Amos is a better prospect than Earl Thomas is. I mean, he, he was in 2017. Again, he was the number one safety. He's literally the best prospect in the NFL, and he didn't drop out of the top 10 this year. There were seven other safeties in the NFL that were better than him. One of them was on his team. Um, another thing of note is that he can play free safety and strong safety. He's listed as a, as a strong safety, primarily be, be, because he played opposite the other free safety, so he's seen as the strong safety. But most of his snaps have come as a free safety. Now, obviously, this just depends on scheme. If you're playing too high, he is technically a free safety. But he plays a lot in the box. He plays a, a decent amount in the slot. Versatile. 
So I've talked about the need of having that versatile, strong safety. I've said that there are guys I, w- I would I would not mind it if we got a free safety and then drafted a, a box safety. But you get a guy like this, and if you draft anybody in, in the draft, it, you can use Adrian Amos opposite of it. That is to say, if you draft a guy that you want to be your, your free safety, Adrian Amos can play on the opposite side and be exactly what he was for the Bears. He can play free safety when, when you have two free safeties. And then if you want somebody to come up into the box, Adrian Amos can come up into the box. If you draft somebody that you want to be your strong safety, Adrian Amos can just be your free safety. He can just stay back. Because again, he played most of his snaps as a free safety, especially this past year. So yeah, this this would be a big splash move, but uh, regardless of our interest at Green, uh, Green Bay for Adrian Amos, the fact of the matter is the Bears are about to lose him. So these are some pretty big names that uh, the Bears are not going to have along, uh, along for the ride. On top of that, a lot of things to be skeptical about, which um, which we'll we'll look at. So as usual, I want to just kind of run through the roster and kind of take a look at the team as a whole. Um, Mitch Trubisky is is the linchpin for all this stuff, and I'm I'm constantly wary because you know guys can grow, and if Mitch Trubisky takes a step in his third year, he didn't take a step in his second year. He actually technically regressed a little bit in his second year. But I'm, I'm still wary because, I, you know, you talk trash, and I'm telling you, if Mitch Trubisky is a good quarterback next year, we're all in a lot of trouble. But um, I think after three years, if we don't see it, I'm just going to uh, – that's probably when I'll start talking a lot of trash. Because it's not impossible in your fourth year, but at that point it almost doesn't even matter. I mean, unless he's, like, very, very good. If he's just kind of good, it, who cares? Three trash years, it was worth it. But anyways, as it stands right now, Mitch Trubisky is he's not even a starting quarterback. He was ranked as the 33rd best quarterback in the NFL. So, 32 teams, you know, this is a, this is a Chicago Bears team that the re, part of the big part of the reason they don't even have any draft picks this year is because they traded all their picks away to move up like one spot to get Mitch Trubisky, who's not good. Also remember, not only could they probably have stayed put to get Mitch Trubisky, there were some better quarterbacks that they could have drafted and um, didn't. So, pretty awesome. As much as they've hit on some other prospects, uh, this one might be their their undoing, to be completely honest. So that's good. I mentioned their wide receivers. Um, Allen Robinson is a decent wide receiver. He's not worth the money, but he was he's, he's, he's at least a starter. He was ranked as the 29th best, so he's at least in the top 32, but not very good. Taylor Gabriel... Very similar situation. He's technically good enough to be a number two, but, you know, whatever. Anthony Miller was outside of the top 96, meaning he's not even quite a number three. But he could grow, right? I mean, there was a lot of hype about, oh, look at that one catch he made that one time. He's so good. And I was the one that kind of sat here and said, first of all, it was not an impressive catch because it wasn't. And the fact that everybody, even Packers fans, were like, dude, he's going to be so good. Did you see that catch? It was not a good catch. It was just a, a basic catch. It's actually... Let let me just be honest. Everybody talks about, you know that one throw that goes right through the defender, like right past the defender, right into Devontae's hands, and everyone's like, look how good Aaron Rodgers is? I hate to say it. I don't think that's a good throw, man. Put it away from the the, uh, defender. You think he was trying to do that? Like he's trying to throw it through the defender's arms? Like he's so good, he's trying to put it right through the defender's hands, like just as like a ha-ha? I think that was a -a whoops-a-daisy. I mean, maybe, because he's looking at it saying, hey, the defender's not turning his head, but what if he did? Then it's a pick, right? I mean, there's a billion really good throws. The one that basically grazed the defender and then Adams caught it, it looks cool, but I don't know if I want to put that in a highlight reel. I don't know. Just saying. But anyways, they're, they're wide receiver. And the, and the best thing about this, with the exception of Anthony Miller, who definitely can grow, 
there's no reason to really believe that these guys are going to get all that much better. I mean, Allen Robinson is kind of up and down, and technically he's, he's exactly up and down, which means he should go up next year. But, I mean, he was mediocre, and then he was good, and then he was mediocre, and then he was real good, and then he was, you know, good this past year. So if we follow the trend, he's going to go up, and he's going to be super good. But, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky and whatnot, so probably not so much. Taylor Gabriel, I mean, he, he was good, like, once. I, I don't understand why they really signed him. I It's just another situation where it's like, oh, he's really fast. It's like, all right, I guess. I mean, maybe for the whole Matt Nagy scheme, like, let's just get a quick guy that we can throw these little behind-the-line-of-scrimmage passes to, and he can do stuff after the catch. I don't know. But whatever the thought process was, it was not very thought out. Um, yeah, not very thought out. I think that makes sense. Running backs, as I said, uh, they've, they've got their between-the-tackles guy and Jordan Howard. They've got their receiving back in Tariq Cohen. They're trying to get Jordan Howard to be more of a receiving back anyways, although he's just not really getting very good at that. To be completely honest, uh, Jordan Howard was graded decently, but it had nothing to do with his ability to run whatsoever. If there's any redeemable qualities in his abilities, it was the fact that he was a very good pass and run blocker. He was actually a pretty not good receiver or runner. So they don't have a good running back. They really don't, at least based on this past year. So, you know, I mean, that's what happens. You get you get different guys in, and you see these kinds of things happening depending on what your emphasis is. He tried to emphasize Jordan Howard to catch the ball more, so he put him on the jugs machine. He runs a different kind of offensive scheme. He, You know, the, the way we run is different. The way we pass is different. Everything's different. Well, it seemed to affect Jordan Howard negatively as a runner. Maybe Jordan Howard just doesn't really fit the scheme all that well. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is they don't have a very good running back. Um, at tight end, again, Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen are both pretty talented guys. I think way overblown in terms of their abilities. That was another one even Packer fans were like, oh man, they got Trey, dude. And Trey was one of those guys who, I mean, it, it's it, it's really annoying when people see highlight reels and then they equate to that, that to really good. It's a big part of the reason that I get slammed sometimes when I say certain players aren't good. Because, I mean, anytime you get a, a guy, especially a Packers guy who has highlights, automatically we think, oh, he's good. Or if, if they've had a couple really good plays, everyone's like, oh man, look how good he is. Like, man, you're talking about five plays over the course of about, what, 800 total snaps? And you're trying to tell me that I don't know. Okay. But Trey Burton obviously had some highlights when he was with uh, when he was with the Eagles, helped them to win a Super Bowl, so everyone feels like, oh, man, it's going to be awesome. He was, he was okay. And Adam Shaheen was good. Uh, offensive line I already touched on. Um, Kyle Long is, you know, he's okay. He's a, he's a pretty good pass blocker. He's a terrible run blocker. James Daniels was okay. He's a decent pass blocker, terrible run blocker. But again, we'll see what happens. He's a rookie. He can grow. Cody Whitehair seems to be regressing, which is very weird. And then Charles Leno and Bobby Massey are um, are decent. Neither of them are unbeatable, but uh, it is what it is. Defensive side, again, I've already touched on a lot of this because I showed a lot of admiration. Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman, very, very good. Eddie Goldman's been getting better every year. Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks is one of the guys that if there is a big regression, Akeem Hicks is on my radar because you look in 2015, so basically this is a guy for three years was average, just kind of meh. Then you get that Vic Fangio effect. 2015, he gets he takes a step. 2016 takes another step. 2017 kind of levels off of 2016. 2018, he's the he's a top five defensive tackle. He's a freak. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I I just I, I have a hard time believing he's gonna stay. The, the best he's ever played prior to this year was he's good. He's good. He was average, and then he was good. Average for three years, good for three years, and then all of a sudden, boom! Amazing, elite, freakish, crazy. 
It just seemed like the defense was more of a well-oiled machine where everybody was able to thrive than anything else. Because, in other words, without Vic Fangio, watch for Akeem Hicks to take a step back. I'm not talking about being terrible. I'm just saying going back to being good. Um, Eddie Goldman actually is relatively similar. He's been good for about three years. I guess he was technically average in 2017. But he just completely ballooned up. So I guess keep an eye on that as well. Off the edge, there's no question Khalil Mack is going to be good. He's always been good. He'll always be good. It doesn't matter if he plays for a good team, bad team, good scheme, bad scheme. Redfish, bluefish. Doesn't matter. Uh, linebackers, they just don't have anything. Uh, Danny Trevathan, as I said, could be gone. If he's not, then, you know, I don't know. Then I guess they're not re-signing anybody. They don't have a shot at Amos. I mean, at least if they cut Trevathan, you got $12 million plus the 6 that you save from Trevathan. That's 18 You've got enough that you can keep Amos if you want to. I mean, if it's $10, $12 million a year to keep Amos, I don't know why 12 is just the number in my mind that's like top safety market stuff. But we'll have to see what happens with Roquan. Otherwise, our linebackers just aren't all that great. And then safeties again, Eddie Jackson, Adrian Amos, if they can keep them, they've got a great group. But I mean, I also, you know, if there is a deflation factor, Eddie Jackson in his rookie year was average. I mean, he wasn't even quite too good. So he went from average to best safety in the NFL. Now, obviously there's talent there, but what, what, what does the talent materialize at, at a normal range? Again, Adrian Amos was number one in the NFL, dropped to eighth. And what is Adrian Amos's? I mean, if, if again, if this is inflated, what is he actually worth? It's hard to say with the young guys because you look at the young guys and you go, oh no, this is just how good they are. Well, it's hard to say because they started in that scheme. If all we knew from Prince of Mukamura was his last couple years, we would say he's just one of the best in the NFL. There's no question. But we have a body of work. We have six prior years that say he's average. Then in 2017, he was good for the first... Good. Not even real good, not even elite, nothing. He was good for the first time in his entire career in 2017. And then all of a sudden, at the age of 570, first time ever, very good, top 10. Right? He, he's up there, man. He's just... He's he's freakish. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm standing by it, man. I'm not buying it. And, and listen, I was the one last year who told everybody... Don't make fun of the Bears. Everybody said all week one's a guarantee. Bears are going to be trash. And I said, dude, don't say that. The Bears have been getting better every single year. Look at what look what Vic Fangio has done. If you look at all of these players, I'm going to go find that audio, I swear, because I, it did happen. If you've been listening to this for since I rebooted, that was one of the things that I did say. Don't undercut the Bears. Vic Fangio has made these players better every single year year and I've never seen anything like it and if they take another step this could be the best defense in the NFL those were my words so as somebody who gave them the credit I'm just telling you this doesn't make sense a lot of these guys don't make sense Kyle Fuller fine he has that talent in him I don't know why we never saw it prior to you know Vic Fangio coming in he was terrible in his first year but you know it's at least a steady decline for, or increase from a first year guy you can kind of say that it makes sense you can kind of see that you would expect something like that fine but a lot of these guys just don't make sense and I don't see how that is sustainable right Legion of Boom being the best in the NFL kind of made sense because these are guys that are just that good we're looking at the Bears, and we're looking at guys that are not that good, who are playing that good, and the defensive coordinator who made it happen is gone. So, we'll see. But again, worst case scenario, they lose a bunch of players, not a bunch, but they lose some key players, and everybody plays as well. 
I mean, they, they literally cannot get better. Some guys maybe can, you know, again, Roquan, whatever. But that would be the, the worst-case scenario is everything just stays the exact same. Again, the offense isn't going to change. Everybody's locked in. Defense isn't going to change much as far as who starts. I mean, they're going to have the same defensive line, same edge rushers, pretty much the same cornerbacks. It's going to be the exact same team. So best-case scenario for the Bears, literally nothing changes, and we take another run at it, and Trubisky gets a little bit better. Maybe we got a shot at a Super Bowl. But, you know, nine times out of ten, this team is going to regress because there's nowhere else to go up. Everybody is beyond capped out, is all I'm saying. And I've said it a thousand times, and I feel like I probably got the point across at this point. So, you know, very quickly, because I'm completely out of time, but usually I like to break down how we go up against their offense and their defense. Um, I mean, it's, it's problematic. There, there really is no good way to attack this other than their linebackers. But the, the biggest problem is if you try to run against them, very good team against the run. So even if you try to attack their linebackers on the ground, I don't know you're going to have much success because you've got, again, the guys up front, you've got their safeties that are very good. Everybody's just very good and very physical. And if you try to throw, they've got the best cornerback group, the probably one of the best, if not the best, even if Adrian Abos goes. Again, De- Deion Bush was a pretty solid uh, safety last year. you got Roquan Smith, who's good in coverage. You, you've got even Khalil Mack and, and uh, Floyd are decent in coverage as outside linebackers. So it's just... I don't know what the strategy could possibly be against the Bears. And obviously it's not that they're unbeatable. It's just that there isn't a weakness that you can attack. Not that I can see anyways. There isn't a matchup that you can exploit. We don't have a number two uh, wide receiver that can go up again, or a number three that can... No, we, we got nothing. Their slot corner is maybe their best corner on the team. Fuller is a good boundary corner. Amukamura, if he's still on the team, was pretty solid. The, the only thing that you're really going to be able to do, or is, it's not even be able to do, you have to do, is, is try to make sure you get the ball out quick because Khalil Mack is coming. right? They're, they're going to be coming for you. So you're going to need a situation with Leonard, or with, geez, with Lafleur, where you have a heavy dose of run and, and hopefully you can have some success on the ground, which you can, but uh, you know, get it on the ground and then and try to dial up this scheme in which you've got the ball coming out quickly, whether that's through screens, either wide receiver screens, running back screens, you know, quick slants, different things to make sure that the ball's coming out relatively quickly. You mitigate the risk of Khalil Mack, keep the chains moving, keep their defense on the field, keep our defense off the field. It's the best I can come up with. As far as our offense goes, it really just comes down to our cornerback stepping up and they don't even have to step up that high. Um, it depends how they want to handle this situation as far as who matches up with who. If uh, Miller does take a step, they're, they're rookie, then it might make sense to put Jair on him. As it stands right now, though, if Jair is still our clear number one and well above everybody else, it just makes sense to put him over on Robinson. Again, shadow coverage is actually a lot more rare than people like to think it is. Packers didn't do it all that often, so it might just be whoever goes where is, is where they go. But... Um, I mean, in, in all reality, if what we need is better defensive back play and a little bit of a pass rush, and I'm not worried about the Bears' offense whatsoever. If if we're if we have the ability to get to Trubisky, that's that's you know 70% of the battle. Beyond that, the corners just need to play well, and even our 2018 group of corners, as much as they struggled, I feel like they can handle the Bears' wide receivers because they're just not very good. And again, I don't see a lot of upward mobility. Allen Robinson played about as well last year as he's going to play and he is a good wide receiver i'm not saying he's bad he's just he's not worth what they paid him 
But uh, Allen Robinson is decent. Taylor Gabriel is not very good. We'll see what happens with Miller. Um, you know, worst case scenario here, they get the run game going a little bit. Trubisky takes a step. Miller takes a step. And suddenly they have a decent um, offense. However, if, if you had to pick which is going to get better, the Packers defense or the Bears offense, I don't think there's going to be very many people that are going to pick the Bears offense just because of the resources. The Packers have resources in terms of salary cap, the Packers have a massive amount of resources. I mean, the, the, the Packers have three picks before the Bears even see... Um, no, I'm sorry. We have four picks before the Bears even see a pick. We have two first-round picks, a second-round pick, and a third-round pick before the Bears pick anybody. So, yeah, the ability for the Packers to upgrade their team. And, and beyond that, just, just look at youth. Again, you talk about uh, growth. Well... If we look at young guys and say maybe they can grow, right? I said Trubisky maybe can take a step. I said Miller could maybe take a step. I said Daniels, their left guard, could maybe take a step. Why? Because they're young guys and we don't know what their full potential is. Maybe they'll always be average. Maybe they will grow. I don't know. Bobby Massey, we know what we get. Leno, we know what we get. Gabriel Robinson, we already know. But you look at growth. What about Jair? What about Josh Jackson? Even Kevin King, he can still grow. What about Oren Burks? Then you look at the draft. What about our number 12 pick? What about our number 30? What about our second round? What about our third round? What about free agency? So, so the, the Packers' ability to get better far exceeds the, the Bears' offense ability to get better. And, and again, not a lot of these guys, if any of these guys are going to get replaced. Maybe a running back. Their offensive line is locked in. Their tight ends are locked in. Their wide receivers are locked in. Their quarterback is locked in. Their running backs are probably locked in. This is the Bears' team. Very few of them have any ability of getting much better. Same offense, same offensive head coach, same offensive coordinator, same offensive scheme, same everything. And, and, and another negative for them, again, as I've said, this was their honeymoon period. Your first year, you come out with some new stuff people haven't seen. Everybody has now had an offseason to understand the Bears' offense under Matt Nagy. That is a negative. That is a net negative for this squad. So I, I don't see, as, as much as I saw the Bears taking a big step, I feel like they capped out, and if anything, they're going to take a step back. There are scenarios, almost all of which include the offense getting better. If the offense gets better, the, the team as a whole could be even scarier, but in more scenarios than not, the Bears regress from last year. I, I do think they're going to take a step back. Um, who kind of fills that void? I don't know. The, the Bears still seem like they're the best team. The Packers have a lot of resources and ability to take a step to get back into being the better team, but a lot of things, again, have to go right. The Vikings are still kind of in that mix where they are they have enough talent, right? You look at their offense, it's scary. You look at their defense, it's scary, but they're going to lose some players. They don't have a lot of resources to get better. So it's, it's I don't know, it's kind of a three-way race, and then the Lions, who knows what they're doing. Every once in a while, they jump up and decide they want to be the best. Who knows? But um, I, I do see this as being a little bit more hotly contested. It could be a very, very tight three, possibly even four-way race, depending on what the Lions are doing, because they do have, the Lions do, I mean, they've got early picks. The Lions pick in the top 10. The Lions do have some talent. They've got a quarterback that can get it done. They've got a new, young, talented running back. They've got wide receivers that are talented. All they need to do is fix that defense, and they do have free agency, and they do have the draft. So if they can make the right moves, especially with a defensive head coach, you'd figure if anything's if anyone's going to fix a defense, it's going to be a defensive-minded head coach. So I I don't know, man. I, I think um, the Lions are my least favorite in terms of their ability to be super great. But I also, I, I don't know, man. I don't have a favorite in the, the NFC North right now. I mean, I'm, I, I guess by default, it's the Bears. I kind of default to 2018, so Bears, then Vikings, then Packers. 
but it's almost that exact opposite order in terms of ability to improve. In, in terms of ability to improve out of that three, it, it's Packers, and then a pretty big drop, and then it's the Vikings, and then an even even bigger drop, and you've get the, got the Bears. So, I don't know, man. should be a lot of fun. That's the Chicago Bears. I gots to fly. You folks enjoy your Friday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, bye-bye.